You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning. Welcome back. I'm Heather Caro. And I am Emily Alito. And we're your hosts this morning for Real Presence Live. We're broadcasting today from the Cathedral of St. Joseph here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Fine morning this morning. Big, huge ice chunks on our cars. <laughs> Woohoo! Happy March! Happy March! What a weird time Welcome. to be alive. <laughs> totally. But we are so excited to be joined by Father James Morgan, Rector of the Cathedral of St. Joseph. Father Morgan, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hey, you're welcome, Emily. Heather, good morning. Good to see you. I was just uh, down south for a bit of a vacation, so this was a surprise when I came home, for sure. Yes, yes. Welcome Yes, welcome home. <laughs> welcome home in So you made it home okay. I, we were a little worried, you know, with everything going on, that you might I not know. make it back. So uh, what I was know, the procedures like? Um, actually, you know, um, it wasn't that at all. Um, the airport... Um, um, in Cabo, San Lucas was busy, but uh, O'Hara in Chicago was pretty desolate. And um, yeah, so it was. And I think there were six people on our on our plane last night that was uh, coming from O'Hara from Chicago to uh, back to Sioux Falls. So yeah, you can tell that there's a change, and just a change in the mood too uh, mm-hmm. of people so you know it's going to be um our obligation and our responsibility as as shepherds and as pastors to attempt to lift the spirits of our people and um you know to really focus on uh, those words of jesus my kingdom of is not is not of this world and we can forget about that because we can get so caught up in the world that we live in and um Mm. It's caused everybody, you know, to slow down and uh, to look at their lives and uh, um, to realize that we there's just sort of false sense of security that the world gives us, this world gives us, and uh, you know, God's always calling us to to surrender and to depend upon depend upon Him um, in all things with all our heart, mind, strength, as Jesus mm-hmm. says. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm here. I'm actually in the rectory because I'm self-quarantine myself um, oh, for idea. some time. Yeah, uh, nobody, idea. It, It's not, yeah, it was not even, it was not, uh, it was not recommended or anything. Um, maybe it's because of where I was at. Um, but um, still, uh, it's, I, I want to be safe. I want to be safe, so. Well, we um, appreciate talk, it. Yeah, you're welcome. Talk to the bishop about it, so we're going to check into how long. Um, but I need to just kind of hold up here for a while. So anyway, but. Yeah. I'm yeah. home. I'm feeling fine. Um, did a lot of praying um, while I was away, uh, and praying and praying for all the people up here uh, in the region and in our diocese. And, um, thinking of all of you while we said mass. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we so appreciate those prayers, and they're deeply needed. And um, you know, Father, it's it's been interesting to me watching all of this kind of unfold in that just the role of the priest has become so beautifully new to me. Mm. Um, You know, the amount of priests that have really um, taken to 
responding to these things, leading their people in new ways. Um, it's just, it's really been a great consolation. And, and so one of the things that we, we get to talk to you about this morning is just a bit of your story and how you came to, um, accept the call to the call to the priesthood to, to take upon that cross, that beautiful cross, um, that yoke upon your life. So tell us a little bit about how this started. You were a bachelor, <laughs> that's what I that's kinda, what our little I, promo said a bachelor that was asked to cover an event or something like that so i thought that was hilarious so i was, so you were a bachelor start um, from there yeah i was i know yeah i will do that so I, yeah i came to the priesthood uh sort of a circuitous route you know um yeah i was actually working at presentation college at the time i was their director of annual fund giving and alumni programs um, and I was dating. Actually, I was dating. And, um, you know, my father died when I was 28. Uh, he was 57 years old. He died young. And um, the two youngest in the family um, were in the 8th grade and ninth grade, respectively. And um, so it was hard to keep a date. <laughs> it was hard to keep a girlfriend. They said, yeah. well, what are we going to do tonight? I said, I'm not sure about what you're going to do, but I'm going home. See my little brother. I'm going to go be with my family. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so there's a little bit of a surrogacy hmm. father thing going on there. Um, and, um, of course, this is all God's plan, as we know. I am at Separate Heart Parish in Medellin. Public Deeds uh, gets up uh, one Sunday and announces that um, we're going to do perpetual adoration, these people to, you know, uh, to, to volunteer, to, to uh, take a risk here and take some of the really early hours. So I took like a 2 a.m. Thursday morning shift. I remember sitting wow. in the pew thinking, hey, you know, right, Emily, I was a bachelor, you know, um, I, you, live, you live two blocks from the church, you can do this. So, so I started And how old were you at this time, Father? I was, I was 34. I was 34. Okay. And um, so I started to do this, and uh, my brother, this is sort of a, a parenthetical, but my brother reminded me of this after I was ordained. He said, do you remember when you were sitting in our living room? And he said, you were about 30 years old or maybe 29 or something. And we were watching um, um, Pope John Paul II say Mass on Christmas, Midnight Mass, Christmas, Christmas Midnight Mass. And he said, if I'm 35 and not married, I'm going to think about the priesthood. And, I, you know, I, I, it didn't dawn on me at that time, but, there, you know, I was getting to that age where I, I, want, I needed to make a vocational choice. I needed to allow God to guide me to that vocational choice. So I did this. Holy Hour, and I did it for about a year and a half is what I did it, you know, and, um, yeah, and I was dating at that time, and I had a girlfriend, actually a steady girlfriend, when um, uh, it just kind of hit me when doing this Holy Hour at 2 a.m., which, when I first started, by the way, I would wait for the person in front of me to leave, and then i just lay down in the pew and go to sleep, but after that, <laughs> I mean, when I got into it, and I let... I let the Lord speaks to me in my dreams. But after I got into it, um, I had this I had this protein that I was doing, you know, and little did I know that I was doing part of the liturgy hours, which really appealed to me. And um, praying rosaries and uh, walking around the chapel at 2 a.m. in the morning to stay awake. Um, but, you know, I remember going, I'd go back and go back to bed and get up uh, bright and early for work, and I was never tired, never tired. So I had to go to the girlfriend and say, um, you know, I don't think um, we're supposed to continue to be together. And she said, I know there's something going on in you. And thank God she was a good Catholic uh, woman, and she said, 
and I know, I, and I know it's not, I know it's not another woman. It's something else. There's something going on in you, um, and it has to do with God. So she kind of saw it first, and I remember kind of breaking down, thinking, "Oh my gosh, no, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. Uh, this can't be happening. I don't want this to happen." Because I, that's the farthest thing from my mind. You know, when we were growing up, my mother would always say, "Yeah, oh, you know, the priest is a good light. When you should be a priest, well, my man." Don't talk. Don't go there with that. Okay. Don't go there. Come on, ma. Come on, ma. <laughs> but you know, um, you know, there's a, in a big Catholic family, one is supposed to be the priest, and when you're part Irish, you know, um, you see that the oldest boy, or the youngest boy. Well, my youngest, my little brother got married then, so the gauntlet sort of fell. And mm-hmm. anyway, I, I, I really began to pray about it then, and um, I really began to pray about it, and. Uh, what happened is that um, I my heart changed, and um, my mind was uh, attuned to something beyond myself. Um, mm. And um, I began to have dreams. I, mm. I mean, things happened, I guess. I had signs. I'll call them signs. First one was a, 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 a dream, my father um, coming down the stairs and shaking my hand and patting my back and telling me, telling me big smile on his face, biggest smile I remember seeing my father's face saying, don't be afraid, you can do this. I had no idea mm-hmm. what that meant. And then a few months later, my childhood pastor died, and I remember calling Father Shocker, and, um, you know, I was gleaned elegantly about what Father Grace had done so well for so many years at Holy Cross Parish in Ipswich, and um, surprised that there was never a vocation, and then Shocker just said, how do you not know the torch is not being passed to you? Ooh. Whoa! <laughs> then um, the you know the last and final thing was I had a great I had a great aunt who had um, a stroke and I went to visit her and she couldn't speak at all hardly maybe a word or two and when I told her this and I was thinking in the seminary I just threw it out for the heck of it she said she was stuttered out you'd make a good one and it's one of those moments where the hair goes back in the, up in the back of your neck. You know, and you, you get warm, and you go, wow, that was not her that said that. That was the Holy Spirit. So um, mm. Easter came, and sat down with my family, and um, my mom said, you're awfully quiet. And I said, um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be a presentation college next year. Where are you going to be? And I said, I think I'm going to be in the seminary. Of course, my brothers and sisters all started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my mother started laughing. I said, oh, my gosh, you're serious. Yeah, serious. But yeah, to go back to your point, it all started when I was uh, asked to cover a story for Bishop Carlson at an Operation Andrew dinner in um, in Ipswich. He came out that he was a regional one, and I was just sent out by the Bishop's Bulletin to do a story on it. Um, I did this freelancing since uh, that's sort of what I did at presentation. I was that this my side job was freelance journalism, and um, I. I remember kicking the kid who was sitting next to Bishop Carlson out of his chair and sitting next to him because I was so intrigued, not just by his story, but all the priests who came. And I thought, wow, they're not all cut from the same mold. They're all Mm. very, very different individuals. So that's how it developed. Hmm. So I want to go back to one element of your story, Father, and that's you pointed to key people at different times in your life that kind of affirmed this in you. And I think that this is a difficult thing because uh, sometimes I think we can run the danger of trying to tell somebody their vocation and it can actually be deeply wounding Mm, for some. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yep. If that makes sense. And and it yet the way in which some of these people in your life kind of uh, responded to you at these various um, moments. Can you just speak a little bit to that? What was the role of other people kind yeah. of speaking truth into you, but the way in which they did it particularly? Yeah, yeah. Remember, um, I was um, um, a searcher back in the day in, in Aberdeen. The search program was huge up in Aberdeen, and um, I got into a group of friends that were younger than me. Actually, my brother Steve's age, but um, and we had a Bible study, and we hung out together, and it was all sort of God-centered, right? So that group of friends had a lot to do with just, um, I, I, I believe, uh, uh, nurturing that vocation that was within, and that calling from God. And then... You know, I had a lot of priest friends. That, that my family, I mean, where did Father Grace over at our house for for um, Christmas or for Easter or some dinner or another? So, you know, and all the priests that then, uh, go, you know, going to Mass on Sunday was so important because I mean, that's how you get to know them. And, you know, I think of Father Terry Weber and Father Mike Kelly and Monsignor Margaret McPhee, and I just go down the list. Father Larry Rajinsky, who went to Presentation College when I was working there, and then was in the seminary and called me, like in the middle of the night, just to talk. And want to know what's going on at a presentation. And we'd have these great conversations. And he goes, you know, you really should be here. Um, ah, yeah, well, you know. So, um, yeah, it was just this interaction with God-centered people, whether they'd be cleric or lay, you know. And many of them lay people who were just uh, so God-centered. It was just, you know, um, um, a small circle of friends, actually a large circle of friends, because that search family at back in those days in the 1980s was so huge. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was just encounters with people who reinforced, you know, what the Lord was telling me. Um, I remember when, I remember after having that moment with my aunt and bef- my great aunt, and before I told my family it was happening, Father Terry Weber was the vocations director at that time. He came up and um, he said, I want to ask you about something. We went out for lunch. And he said, I want to ask you about something. Um, what would you think about at least uh, discerning, going to the seminary for a year of discerning? Is that um, the first person that priesthood. asked you that? Um, you know, but by that time, it was, um, I just said, yeah, I'll do it. He goes, what? I said, yeah, I'll do it. So um, by that time, I already had these, uh, these signs, you know, like these graces that had come to me. Um, but I hadn't really told anybody about it. You know, I hadn't told anybody about it, so. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I have so many questions, Father. This is interesting. <laughs> I love just hearing kind of the way in which God works in our lives. And he works, you know, sometimes he's consistent and sometimes he's not. So um, I have more questions, but we're going to take a quick break. And we will be back with uh, Father Morgan telling his vocation story. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, I'm Linda Baldwin with the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. We are now open, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. We're located at 3709 South Grange, just west of Costco. We stock Catholic books, artwork, saint medals, rosaries, Bibles, parish supplies, plus mystic monk coffee and gifts for those special occasions like baptisms, First Communion, and Confirmation. I look forward to your visit to the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. 
During this time of trial throughout our nation and world, Real Presence Radio encourages you to join us in steadfast prayer for all those affected by the coronavirus and for an increase in hope and trust in the Lord, who is our only hope. Beginning this week from 1030 to 11 Central during Real Presence Live, our hosts will lead a live rosary for these intentions. We'll also carry the Chaplet of Divine Mercy and Daily Mass at 3 p.m. And if you're not able to attend Sunday Mass, you can listen in at 7 and 1030 a.m. Central. This is Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Heather Carroll. And I am Emily Leadham. And we're broadcasting this morning from the cathedral offices in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And we're talking with Father Morgan, who has been sharing with us his... uh, Vocation story. Thank you. Yeah. Vocation. That was a word that was troubling me. Vocation (laughs) is a... (laughs) So, okay. So, Father, we left off with um, uh, the vocations director at the time. You had kind of been uh, praying for an extended period of time, coming to terms with some people in your friendships and family saying, we see that God is doing something here. Uh, You went to uh, an Andrew... uh, What is it? Uh, An Andrew supper with... Thank you. With uh, Father, with Bishop Carlson at the time, you were so intrigued by him. And then the vocations director invited you to consider beginning the discernment of this uh, more realistically. Um, So then kind of what happened? Was it a quick yes to uh, enter seminary? What happened then? Nah, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Not so much, huh? I went there. So no. So um, I went to... uh, St. Paul Seminary had just started what they called the pre-theology program because they had guys like me, older guys who were coming in um, for vocations, and we'd already gotten had college degrees, right, and worked for a while. A lot of them were younger than I was. You know, they'd worked for just maybe three or four years, and they wanted to discern priesthood. I'd been working a presentation for 12 years. They gave me a sabbatical and went to St. So St. Paul Seminary, St. Thomas Campus. But they had us living at St. John Vianney Seminary with all the college guys. And then we'd go over to, we had our classes at St. Thomas Hugh, and we'd go to St. Paul Seminary once in a while. So that first Was year, that hard for you? I, no, no. Actually, I felt like a kid again. I loved it. I felt like I was back <laughs> in college. It's kind of fun, and huh? Just, yeah. And I, and, but I, you know, I, I, I studied hard. I really studied hard. And uh, my grades are really good. And I remember I'd be in that library um, all day researching and writing papers for classes, and I thought I knew a lot, learned that I didn't really know much at all mm. when it came to our faith, at least the, the, the real, you know, the, 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 all the writings and the theology and the richness of history, and, um, and philosophy was very different, very new, I enjoyed it, sometimes it'd be incredibly frustrating, but the first year was just kind of, okay, I can take or leave this. <laughs> So I got back, mm-hmm. I came back, and Bishop Carlson said, what do you think? I said, ah, you will listen. They sent me the IPF program, that's the Institute for Priestly Formation, which, again, was, at that time, um, uh, nascent. It was, it was brand new, and um, I think it was only the second year of it. It at Creighton University, so I went to that program and did that. I think we were there for six weeks, I believe, or eight weeks. I think it was eight weeks. And that was kind of a, def- a, a defining moment. Um, I had to do this for the first time. I had to do an eight-day silent retreat. Uh, um, eight days, silent, ten days, something like that. And um, 
you know, you you face when you do that and you're in solitude like that, um, you really have to look inward um, on yourself and see all the goodness and all the ugliness too, you know? Mm-hmm. So you face some of your demons that um, you need to face or have never faced, yeah. but you also see the gifts and, and the strengths that God has given you and just the goodness and the love, you know, that He's put within you too in your heart. This desire to serve, you know, and, and not to be served. So that was a defining moment. And then I said, yeah, I'll go, I'm going to go back a second year. Well, the second year then was much different than the first year at St. Thomas. And then, um, mm-hmm. and then on to Rome. Um, at that time, there were not just myself, there were a few of us going to Rome because uh, Bishop Carlson liked them. Then, um, Monsignor Timothy Dolan now, obviously the um, Cardinal Archbishop of New York, Timothy Dolan, and we got along really well. I was his softball coach for, uh, I played one year for, he was big in, as you know, but uh, Cardinal Dolan's big into baseball, huge, and so, he, and he's a big St. Louis fan because that's where he grew up, and I was a Cubs fan, so um, we'd always get into these little discussions and little arguments and all, and jest each other about that, and um, um, it, it was, uh, then the North American College was challenging. It really was. It was really challenging. Mm-hmm. I think the first year I had 19 credits. And I was in, um, we're taking first year biblical Greek, which, you know, um, I barely passed. Um, thank God for my instructor. And then, uh, second year Latin. And then, but you learn Italian too. We had Italian classes. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, going overseas to, to study is, uh, for a man my age was uh, an anomaly because it was, uh, you don't pick up language like that. Your brain's kind of soft by, by that time when you, so I was ordained, you know, I'm yeah. 41. So, but yeah. those are four great years. I, you know, it, it, the, the classroom is obviously more than just a classroom. It's the whole environment of Rome. Yeah. And what happens at St. Peter's and, you know. The, Which is such a beautiful length. experience, I think, of Catholicism more broadly. Um, and it just invites you into kind of this bigger picture of really what the universal church is, which I think is so beautiful. Father, I want to go back to one of the things that you pointed to in that you had your year at SJV slash St. Paul Seminary, and then you went to IPF for a year, and you said it was really, it was a it was a beautiful, challenging um, year where you're kind of brought to face your demons. And, and one of the things that came to, to my mind as you were saying that was sometimes we need to go through processes of healing in in order to really hear God's invitation to us. Mm. Is that absolutely. is that right? Yeah. Was that kind of your experience there? Oh, absolutely. A lot of healing, you know. Um, I think one of the things that came out is that I never grieved my father's death. Mm. He died yeah. because I had to be... Uh, you to had be to be the new dad. I'd be the oldest in the family, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was some of it, too. And just even my relationship with my father, which... Um, you know, a lot to be thankful for, you know, to be able to tell him that um, I, I loved him uh, uh, at some point, you know, uh, months before he died, because my father died suddenly. But, um, you know, also the, the you know, our, our relationship was tenuous at one time, too. And, you know, this whole father-son thing now we're learning is so important, right? You, you mm-hmm. know, back then, you know, our, our, my parents, I'm older now, I'm 61, but, you know, a couple of You're 61? Back, <laughs> I am. Yeah, no I am. way. I'm a young, I'm a young man. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, but, sorry. But, you know, generations back, <laughs> generations back, you know, there wasn't this sort of affection um, uh, or signs of affection that were shown, you know. Mm-hmm. So now we're, we're figuring all of this out, you know, father-son relationships, mother-daughter, um, 
um, and how important they are and how, how they can be catalysts and nurturing vocations, too, and, and hugely. So to answer your question, yes, there was a lot of healing that had to go on, and even just within um, accepting myself and how God had made me. Yes, <laughs> amen. Am. Amen. That's a big and thing. I, That's a big and thing. I, we always see our fault, right? Right, right. And I have to ask, you know, I think God uses our stories to help animate us and how we are his leaven in the world. So how do you think your story um, has animated and brought about particular themes in your priesthood and how you guide people, accompany people, uh, encourage people in their journey of faith? I think there's a book called this, isn't there? God is Real. I guess that's how I would sum it up in just a sentence, you know. Mm-hmm. I've seen the Lord work in my life, and if He's working in my life, you know, um, he can, he's, he's working in everybody's life, and it's just a matter of being tuned to it and seeing it, not giving up, but being patient. You know, there was a time in Rome, uh, my third year before I was ordained a deacon, that I went to my spiritual advisor and said, I'm done. This is not working. My prayer is dry. I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. Um, and he said, oh, well, wait, 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 sit down. And we just started talking. And then he, you know, he went, he took me all the way back the first time that I even began that holy hour, you know, and had those search mm-hmm. all the way back. And we marched all the way up to where I was my, you know, currently. And he said, do you see it? Do you see where God mm-hmm. has brought you from A to B to B to C to C to D? I said, yeah, I see it. I see it. I see and it. that happens yeah. in everyone's life, not just them um, discerning priests, but everyone's life attempting to discern the providence of God and the will of God for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, one question I have for you, Father Morgan, I'm always curious <clears throat> um, when I'm hearing um, priest vocation stories, was there one thing or what was it about the priesthood at the very beginning that you were afraid of or um, didn't think that you would like that aspect of the priesthood or why you might not fit in the priesthood? Was there one thing? <laughs> Well, I had life experiences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 30, 40 years of them. So 35 years of them. So I think what probably scared me the most is when I'd have to go home and preach in front of my family <laughs> oh. and my friends back in my home parish. I think that was yeah. scared the, that scared the living bejeebers out of me. Because <laughs> they know <laughs> they me. Know they me. know what I've done. Yep, they know exactly. that I'm a punk. <laughs> They know. Yeah, know that's a I, very, <clears throat> I think families so, yeah. experience that, you know, people that have experienced a conversion, uh, go back to their families. And I think that's one of the most difficult places for them to really lean into the conversion that has taken mm-hmm. place in their lives. And we see this among people all the time, mm-hmm. you know, that, uh, they're we daily mask goers, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, that a prophet's know, not welcome in his own home. Yeah. I was kind of a wild man back in the day, mm-hmm. and and but you know what? So is Saint Augustine. So is yeah. Saint Augustine. Yeah. So, I you know we can relate. We we, we forget that conversion can take place. You know. Yep. Um, and um, I think that's important it, it, to remember um, oh. that you can have a past and you can have a history, but you can still have your vocation. One last. We only have about a minute left, Father. What's the sure. last message you would say to a listener that might be um, listening to your uh, vocation story, a young man thinking about maybe the priesthood? What would you say to him? Um, I would say, first of all, you, you know, prayer is so important. It is vital. It's, it's, it's like breathing. You, you, have to, you, have to be, you have to be praying. You really do. 
um, you know, that year and a half of doing that perpetual adoration, um, fed all of that. You know, even at the time, I had no idea that, that that's what God was calling to me. I mean, it was the first thing to my mind. I was just being fed, and I think that's where it starts, to sit silently with God and to um, attempt not to control it, you know, um, but attempt to the, uh, allow the Lord to work in your life and pray for signs. Pray for signs, you know, um, um, and uh, we should do that. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the Lord leads us to praying for signs so that He can speak to us and so that, you know, we can attempt to discern His will and make those decisions and choices. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Father Morgan. Glad you're back home. That you made thank it. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, it was Thank a joy you. to hear your a joy a joy a joy a joy to hear your your story. And um, Heather, I don't know about you, but I just kind of had this minute of this moment of I was taken out of what's happening in the world and reminded that God is at work. You know yeah. that God is that God is um, that God is ever present to us. So, um, yeah. Thank you again, Father Morgan. You're welcome. All right, Heather. God bless you. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. All right. Up next, it's a juggling act for Kristen Riley as she leads over 500 people in the rosary every day while being a mother of seven and the wife of an entrepreneur. How does she stay sane? We'll find out. And later, we have, we don't have proof that she is sane. But <laughs> <laughs> And later, Father Nick Nelson leads us in a rosary for our nation. Stay tuned. More Real Presence Live right after this. 